welcome to the First Intuition Podcast. On this week's show, we caught up with Louisa Matheson. She talks about First Intuition's Digital Week and her lead on digital programs. We recorded the session in front of a live Zoom audience, and if you'd like to join one in the future, there is a link to register in the show notes. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the First Intuition Student Forum and podcast. My name is Ben Bullman, and I'm joined again this evening by my good friend, Dave Malthouse. Good evening, Dave. Evening, Ben. It seems like a lifetime since you two have been, since us two have been together, because I, I, I wasn't here last week. I think the week before you weren't around. So, yeah, really good to see you again, Ben. And you. Did you have a nice half term off with the, the children and family? I did. It was my my son's birthday. It was his 12th birthday. So we had a, a, a he doesn't want to have a party because apparently parties are for kids. Um, but they wanted a day of activity. So we went to Top Golf in the morning, which um, if anyone if anyone lives near Chigwell, I would, I would advise going down there because it is it's a great it's a great day out. Um, so we went there and played some Top Golf, which Ben, if you haven't been, it's a, it's kind of a mixture between a golf driving range and 10 pin bowling. Okay, if you put those two together, it's, it's really, really good fun. Um, and then after that, we then went go-karting, which I, I at, you know, at, at my bright old age, I'd never actually been go-karting before. Um, so that was really good fun. Um, and I only got beaten by James and all of his friends that went with me. So um, that was quite a success. Fantastic. Real life Mario Kart. I've got visions of you whizzing around the circuit, Dave, but probably not throwing banana skins. That we should have banana skins and driving into giant mushrooms. But apparently the banana skins are just too dangerous and the giant mushrooms that make you go fast don't exist. So. Excellent. Well, as we're recording this, we are coming up to exam week. We've got another week to go. Lots of final preparation. I've been in class doing some question days. If you listened and joined last week, we were talking about revision because I was in the midst of a revision session. I know lots of colleagues are running those final bits of marking, preparation. Lots of students are now getting to the, the business end of this exam season. So if you're listening to this and you're doing your final revision, well done. Take confidence in the work that you have put in. Hope the exams goes well. Um, and listen back to previous episodes of the podcast if you want some final tips on exam anxiety, if you want anything on those last minute preparations for the night before the exam. But best of luck, everybody. Um, I'm sure you'll do yourselves and everybody at First Intuition proud. And, and I think we had uh, just after the last set of results, someone said that, that they went into their ACCA strategic business leader paper, having just listened to our special on how to deal with a case study exam, which I think set them up for, for the mark they got in that exam. So, yeah, definitely worth looking at some of those resources. So this evening we are joined by a special guest. First time on the podcast. I think she's listened to a few episodes over recent months. But good evening, Louisa Matheson. Hello, Ben, and hello, Dave. Thank you very much for having me here tonight. I've been um, wanting to be on a podcast for a little while now, so it's um, yeah, been on my wish list. So thank you very much for having me. It's great to be here. No problem. Well, thank you for sparing your Wednesday evening to come and join us. As you will know, having listened to episodes, when we get a special guest on for the first time, we like to start by hearing a bit about their background their story, how they've got to the position that they've got to today. So if this was your Marvel superhero movie, 
what would be the backstory that got you the superpowers that you are now exhibiting today for First Intuition? Oh, feeling the pressure now. I wonder if I make the cuts. I don't know. So I'm a digital program manager at First Intuition, um, um, which is a new role um, started in January for me. So quite recently. So it's very exciting. Um, I'm an accountant by training, a chartered accountant. I have to confess, I trained a while ago now. So it was a while ago I was going through my exams and um, I trained in practice. And so I trained in audit, a medium sized firm in London. And upon getting trained, getting my qualification, um, I moved into forensic accounting and I spent a bit of time, a few years working in forensics and um, working on fraud and error and working with lawyers um, on litigation, court cases. They generally hated spreadsheets, so they were always keen to turn to us to interpret the numbers. So that was really fascinating. I love that. Um, and then uh, with my husband, we moved to Cambridge and I was keen to work more locally. And I think when I was training as an accountant, I'd really enjoyed um, being in class and hearing the tutors. And I still had memories of the, all the tutors who taught me over the years. And um, I'd always thought about moving into the tutor role. So I um, yeah, opted for, for teaching. So I moved into teaching accounting qualifications. And that's quite a while ago now, it has to be said. Um, originally with a competitor and then more recently with um, First Intuition, which um, yeah, has been fantastic. So that's been a few years of teaching. And then along came the opportunity with this new area we're getting into with digital, all things digital, digital finance. So it's been an opportunity for me to get into that area because there is a bizarre connection for me in that I started my accounting qualification relatively late. I didn't start straight after school or after uni. Um, I kind of dabbled with something else along the way. I did a master's in artificial intelligence it's a bit of a tongue twister, actually, with natural language processing, because uh, I'd done languages at uni, uh, French and Italian, and was really interested in that, but also interested in computing. And the degree was kind of a chance to put the two together. But I really enjoyed the kind of the AI, the artificial intelligence aspects. Um, but at that point, I thought about getting a job in that area and computing. It wasn't great time. It was the dot com bubble which then burst. Um, so that age, that dates my age quite easily from that. So it was quite tricky to get a job. And my dad had told me for many years, you should become an accountant. And I wasn't so sure initially, um, but I did. And I haven't looked back for a split second, to be honest. It's been fantastic to get the qualification and the opportunities that have come from it and the different jobs I've done along the way. It's been brilliant. So I think that's what takes me to being here tonight. Well, loads of interesting bits there. I like the thought of your two superpowers merging your background in computers and then your accounting skills all coming together as the perfect combination. But before we hear more about digital, I just want to go back and you said you trained in audit. Dave, there's another one for my team audit versus team management accounting. And you mentioned forensic accounting, something I talk to classes a lot about. I dabbled with it in my career in practice, didn't really get too involved. But I always talk about this as the, the silent witness of accounting. Dave, have you ever championed forensic accounting or had any experience of students doing forensic studies? I, I'm utterly fascinated by, um, by, by the work of forensic accountants in, in terms of yeah, the, the chasing the money whenever there's any kind of crime that takes place. I, I was just, you know, as Louisa was talking about her background, I was imagining how this would play out in, in a Marvel movie. And I'm thinking that, you know, you've got elements of like creating artificial intelligence. That to me sounds a lot like Tony Stark creating Jarvis, which went on to be Ultron. So I'm thinking that you've got that, in, that there. And then you've got the literal fighting crime 
by using numbers and your own financial genius. Okay, which again, I'm thinking merge those together and you have got a new Avenger. Um, I, I, I'm not convinced that the period of time working in audit would make the cut. I, I think that that's probably something that, that it might be a deleted scene that they decide not to use because it, it would just, you know, the, the audience wouldn't really understand what was going on there. I don't know about Louisa. I, I think that audit background will have developed all of those skills fantastically. Um, my only experience of forensic accounting, it sounds very glamorous when we talk about it in class. And I was thinking, oh, I'm going to be sent to bust a, a drugs gang. I'm going to be out on a raid, something really exciting. And the only assignment I got sent on was someone that was committing fraud at a public car park with the cashing up machine. Not quite as glamorous when you're sat there freezing cold, trying to work out the systems and processes for cashing up at car parks in a Suffolk town, which wasn't the glamorous location I was expecting. Louisa, we'll have to get you back for another forensic special where maybe you can come and share some of your experiences of forensic accounting with us. But tonight we're talking digital. So you mentioned your new role at FI, leading our digital programs. Um, I suppose if we come back to the start, why do you think accountants and digital come together so nicely? Um, so I think they come together really nicely. And I think I think it's important they come together really nicely. I think it is the way the future is going. I think there's so much technology out there. Um, I think some people talk about how it's a bit like the Wild West at the moment, thinking about more movies as well, um, with all the different things that are happening. There's so much jargon and hype out there and lots of um, different apps and lots of special software we can use. So it's kind of working our way through all of that. But actually, as accountants, I think we're really well placed with a lot of the skills we've already got so it's kind of realizing the skills we've got, got and then picking up a few others along the way we can bring that all together and actually really be placed to really work alongside maybe some more specialist IT people data analysts data scientists possibly um, and there's great opportunities out there for really where business and finance and accounting are going in the coming years and in yeah quite short term I think things are changing quickly so I think it's a really great opportunity that's out there today. I think the scary factor that I hear talked a bit, and I don't know, Dave, whether you've come across this, is the concept of technology being able to do our job better than we can. And, and I've heard a number of people say, at what point will machine actually replace the person in an accounting and finance role? I don't know if, if you've got any thoughts on that one. Um, I very much got some thoughts on that. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I mean, there's a lot of hype out there. I think media tend to pick up on the kind of quite sensational headlines. The robots are going to replace our jobs. Um, you know, accountants are they a dying breed. And, you know, there are stories about companies that are recruiting lots of um, more specialist IT people, a bit data analysts and scientists, and then fewer accountants. But actually, at the end of the day, I think what's going to happen is more of the routine transactions are going to become more automated which is then actually a really exciting opportunity for us as accountants because what is going to be needed is that interpreting of what the machines and the computers are finding for us you know they can bring up a list of issues exceptions but it's going to need that human input to actually interpret what's going on what those issues are and then explain that to other people you know other stakeholders be it people that we're working with or, you know, our clients for example so Actually, I think it's a really great opportunity. But yeah, there's lots of 
scare and sort of um, fear at the minute, which we sort of need to cut through and, and find out what we can do to embrace this opportunity. What's your thoughts, Dave, on the tasks that we would have done when we worked in practice being replaced by computers? When when I worked in practice, I, th th this was already happening, and this is this is something that's been happening for for generations. There's, there's always going to be some new piece of technology. There's you know the, the you know you go back to like, you know, printed paper, you know, and, and printing things out as being a massive change, and the typewriter was a huge change. And you know, I, I saw when I worked in practice the, um, the the move from when I first started work. There were some of the older partners who would insist that if you had a a stock listing for a client you hand wrote it and then you used one of the old-fashioned adding machines to add up all of the numbers to get a total and then you would rip off the till roll from the adding machine you would staple it to the top and you would say right that's what my stock total is and I, I remember suggesting to one of the partners that maybe we should use a spreadsheet for this because it would be a little bit quicker um, and, and he was going oh no I don't trust it I don't trust it you know I, I trust my adding machine because I can see all the numbers afterwards and I can see what it's doing and what it's adding together I don't trust this spreadsheet thing because you can manipulate that. Um, and I think it's, it's you know, it, now we're seeing an evolution from that. So I think it's something, something that's always happened. Um, and I think that Louise is right. It, 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 what we hope is that it's going to remove lots of the, the, the tasks that don't really add value and leave us as accountants to really be able to add value for businesses. The, the other thing that I, I really hope and uh, it's something that might be a forlorn hope is that I, I, I hope that we can use a lot of this technology to improve the quality of our lives as well, because I, I think that what we've historically always done is every time a technological improvement comes about and we say, well, oh, we're going to save two days of your time. That means you can spend two days doing even more work. And we don't seem to feel that, you know, this can actually relieve pressure on certain roles. And it might mean that, you know, if we if we engineer it correctly and with the generation that can start looking at this, does that mean that people actually end up working four days a week? Because there's less work, that, that less of the, the routine mundane work is there. We can add value at a higher level. And if we can work four days, we can be more productive with this technology than we could beforehand. And that's something that I really hope that we do, because I, I do worry that, we create lots of technology and then just fill the gap with other work to do. We seem almost obsessed with this idea of kind of filling 40 hours a week worth of work, come what may, rather than saying, well, actually, this role is four days a week. You can be really productive. And, you know, because you're getting more work done, you can earn the same money doing four days a week than in the olden days you could do in five. It's a really interesting take on it to think back that we're actually on a journey and we've all joined it at slightly different times, but I would imagine there would have been conversations 40, 50 years ago that the advent of a handheld calculator was going to replace teams of staff that would have manually added up things. And then you think, actually, no one now needs to use a calculator to add it up. When I first started, we would manually add up cash books. Now you're right, Dave, spreadsheets have taken over and you would just auto sum it and do it in milliseconds as opposed to manually typing it up and I think we've just got to appreciate we're all jumping onto this at different stages of a journey that's happening and let's be honest it's going to happen whether any of us are on board with it or not because we are not ultimately the ones determining where the technology is going and it's probably better to be on the side of it where we are being more involved and aware than not. 
So, so Louisa, I don't know what your stock answer is for people who are scared that their job is going to be taken by a computer in the next five years to 50 years. Um, so my answer to that is um, basically there are there are opportunities out there and it's it's finding those opportunities and it doesn't need to be a big thing. It doesn't need to be like a massive thing, like you sort of thinking it might have to be a job change or something like that. Actually, we can all make really small changes that can actually have a really big impact on our everyday lives and on the work we do. So it's just watching out for opportunities, I think, is the really big, great thing we can do. Um, I love the analogy of um, that 1% improvement, making lots of sort of tiny little changes can lead to a much bigger overall change. I think it came about from um, the Olympics, from Team GB with the cycling. So David Brailsford, you know, discovered that um, all these people making tiny changes to every aspect of their um, cycling, including like the dust on the floor that was getting in the way of the equipment and causing problems and the position people were sleeping at night, all these tiny changes they were making led to like the Beijing Olympics. They went and won seven golds and then did it again in London 2012. Um, and I think it's things like that. That's, you know, analogy from cycling there, but it's just those little improvements we can make in our everyday work that can lead before we know it to really quite a big improvement in what we're doing. So I think it's... um. That opportunity to have like a growth mindset and watch out for opportunities rather than the sort of fixed this is the way i've done things i'm going to continue to do it just being amenable to small little changes so we can slowly slowly just change what we do and make improvements and embrace these opportunities but i think yeah a key take home is not seeing it as some massive change we've got to make overnight you know there's small things we can do to help us on this journey that you talk about ben and I think it, an important point that Dave made earlier was the sorts of tasks that we can be moving over actually are the tasks that are pretty mundane and dull to do anyway, which means then we've got more time either for ourselves, as Dave said, or to do some of the more interesting areas of finance that actually we can add more unique value to as, as individuals. I like the thought of doing those small changes and I think the problem with a term like digital is it's so broad and covers so many different things that actually it switches people off before they've even started to think about small things. A very practical example and not necessarily linked to finance is just being a bit more clever with your use of something like Outlook. Dave, I know you have been a big champion of doing things like mail merges when we are sending mass emails out to people to actually do it in a bit more of a streamlined way instead of Ben going back to his old fashioned list of names and sending out separate emails that are taking up more time and risk errors actually and things being missed or sent to the wrong person. So small changes and actually they become cultural, don't they, within the organisation. Dave, is there anything you've seen that you can think of as a, a small change where the use of digital technology has really helped? I think there, 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 there are lots of things that I use now that I didn't use five years ago. So, you know, when you look at things like Teams or Slack or whatever you're using for your internal comms, that's something that, that you either had an intranet or you didn't really have that kind of instant messaging. You know, we, we collectively are, are right now talking to each other through the wonder of technology. And if I said to you, Ben or, or Louisa, let, let's put together a podcast and let's record it. If I did that five years ago, you'd think, right, well, where, where are we gonna get in a studio so we can all be together with our microphones and you know, and, and headphones and soundproofing and all that kind of stuff. And yet we can do it 
now remotely and we're all you know i'm not entirely saying exactly where you are right now ben because you know you know you could be in your house which i assume you are but you could be anywhere in the world and louisa you know for all i know you're in brazil right now and you know you're going to be sunning yourself fairly soon outside but you know i don't know where and we can do that so there's loads of things that but you know one of the things that I, I, I kind of really struck me as, as you, you guys were both talking about making those those little changes and improvements. As, uh, and I kind of think of this, this, there's a wave of technology that is coming. And there's a wave of technology that is going to engulf all businesses. Uh, and it, it's already impacting big businesses. Big businesses are already embracing it. I, I think you'll struggle to find a FTSE 100 company that's got a, an accounts payable function that is entirely manual anymore. They all can have a degree of automation. And it's going to hit those big businesses first. And then it's going to hit the next tier of businesses, and then the next tier, and then the next tier. And it's, going to, it's like a wave just running up the beach. Uh, and if you're an accountant right now, you can either ride that wave by making those little changes and accepting the technologies there, or you're going to be running from that wave, which means you're going to be running to the businesses that haven't yet adopted it. So you're going to be, you're going to be moving from you know, those big you know, multinational companies to smaller local companies to smaller family-run businesses. And there's nothing wrong with doing that if you don't like technology and you don't want to adopt it but that's where the direction of travel is it's either you 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 stay and you ride the wave and you you adapt to it and you do make those changes and you embrace those or you run away from them and i think now you can do that i think that if i'm speaking to someone in 20 years time i think the waves come and gone and you're now drowning or or you're going to have to have adopted you mentioned their large businesses, and I think they have been at the forefront of digital initiatives. But actually, smaller businesses have embraced digital technology as a way they can really differentiate themselves. And, and I see that incredibly powerfully with the smaller organisations that then compete. You, you just mentioned the fact we could be doing this call from anywhere. Well, technologies allow businesses to compete globally as opposed to just in their local market. I think they can certainly offer services that are equal and akin to those of the the bigger firms and the bigger corporations. So I I get your point. There are still businesses that have not adopted it or are certainly further down their adoption of digital technology. But I would guess those job opportunities are only going to decline in the next 10 to 20 years. So if you're going in that direction, you're going in a direction that's actually narrowing your options and markets as opposed to the opposite. And I've just seen, this has not been fact-checked, anybody listening to the podcast, but somebody in the, um, in the chat box has just mentioned something they've seen online indicating that there will be the need for a further 80,000 accountants by the year 2050. And that's certainly something we have seen in recent years, Dave. We did a, a great podcast episode right back at the start of 2021 saying why 2021 was a great year to train as an accountant. And I think since we recorded that one, I've only seen employers recruiting more accountants, certainly not less. And I think there are um, similar statistics out there about the data skills gap as well and the, the jobs in um, that are available right now with data skills. So thinking about how we use all the information, be it accounting information, finance information, marketing, all the information out there in businesses. And I think as accountants, we're really well placed to bring those two together because we can actually understand a lot of that information and we can use our financial and our business knowledge and acumen to really understand what's going on and to be able to do, as we've talked about, moving away from the routine transactions, but to interpret and tell that story about what's happening 
and, and spread that story and you know all the reporting and all the talking we do to our colleagues and and clients so I, I like the language we've used so far this evening about the digital being a journey and people are different points of that journey organizations are different points on the journey but but louisa one of the the roles of the programs that you've been putting together for first intuition is to really give people some tools no matter what stage of that journey they are on so what sort of tools are available to people if they want to get more digitally aware? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so there are there are lots of opportunities where to start. You know, we mentioned about how it was a bit like the Wild West and there's just so much out there and it can seem overwhelming. Um, so small things we can do, it's um, trying um, perhaps a new bit of software or using another function in existing software. I mean, just like you were mentioning with Outlook, like Mail Merge, it's, there's little things that we can try and there's certainly plenty of things that we can use in Excel. You know, Excel, certainly we you know, use it lots, don't we? But there's always tons more things we can do out there. And it's all those little tips that can just make that difference, that can just make sure we can process the spreadsheet faster or, you know, calculate what we need a bit more quickly or we can check more easily that it's correct, for example, and there hasn't been an error along the way. So there's lots of little things we can do and automation we can do actually within Excel as well as within other packages and, and more fancy software. So it's those small little things that we can do, like we talked about, um, those small changes we can make um, is very much what we can think about doing. So, yeah, small changes like that. And I guess also like in the accounting world, you know, like, for example, you take the accounting package software zero. There are tons of apps that can be used with zero now. I think it's 1200 apps available right now. So it's a wealth out there of things we can do. So whatever role we've got, there may be the opportunity to use an app to help us improve what we're doing, be it bank reconciliations, be it invoicing, you know, payments or, you know, collecting money from, um, from customers, you know, rem reminders to customers, automating that a bit like we talked about with Mail Merge, for example. There are so many out there. And the great thing with apps is that it's possible to try something. They're often on subscriptions. So you can try it for a bit and you're not kind of committed to it forever. You know, it's the possibility to explore. Um, so there are lots of opportunities out there. It's seeing what's available and perhaps making some suggestions to people you work with about things, changes that could be made and sharing ideas within the organisation as well. Just chatting about what, what other people do, how they do some of the things that may be the same as you, get some other ideas about different ways to do things. It's actually a, a, an area that when you mentioned it, I think back when I was doing audits in practice, it tended to be the bigger organizations that had the budget to have their own software and they could have somebody that could edit program and change it to bespoke it to their particular business. But plenty of clients were using quite a bog standard accountancy package, which probably wasn't the best for their organization, but it was consistent. It was something that was reliable. I think the world of apps has completely changed that landscape, haven't they? And lots of those apps are more about taking a standard package, a Sage, a Zero, but then adding bits to it that can be bespoke to the individual business needs. Absolutely. And I think an area that another place where we can make a change that's a really exciting area, which again kind of fits in with talking about those apps from Zero, for example, or, or information from Excel, is the concept of data visualization, which has kind of got that fancy title. Um, it's definitely a buzzword and an exciting new area at the minute. What's it on about? What it's on about is actually making all that information more 
easy to, to, to use, easy to understand, more user friendly. So it's a skill that we all learn along the way, you know, right back from, you know, start of our careers all the way through to, you know, doing PowerPoint presentations, writing reports, passing on information within you know, the teams about the bank reconciliation and the issues, for example, um, or management accounts, whatever it is. Actually, there's a real kind of um, drive right there now, and there is some special software we can use to actually make that information, that Excel spreadsheet, the information from it kind of easier to understand quickly to see what's going on, what's the big picture, what's happening in the business or within the fixed asset section or the bank section, whatever it might be. So I think that's a really new and exciting area. That's something that we can kind of get on board with and we can begin to make those small changes, just thinking about what information have we got in front of us? What are the key points that I can communicate? How should I communicate those key points like with a little graph or something to make it easy to see, for example? Dave, I think sometimes we forget we are part of senior management teams. You're a business owner at FI. How, how have you seen data presented to you and thought, actually, that's really, really useful to see that as the director, owner of First Intuition Centre? Um, I, I, to be honest, a lot of the reporting we have, I think we do in quite a traditional, in quite a traditional way. Um, I, I have seen some management reports though that have just kind of blown my mind a little bit um because of the way that they're presented and it's only when you see when you when you see management reports that are done differently that you realize what can actually be done and, and the, one of the things that i think that we're very stuck in a it, we're kind of stuck in a mindset of things must look like a book so you must go from page one to page two to page three now if you think about how you it, how you interact with your mobile phone you don't just go, I'm looking at page one, I'm looking at page two. You swipe left, you swipe right, you swipe up, you swipe down. If you want to see more information, you tap. And that's what you can do with management reports. And I've seen management reports that, that, that are prepared in that way. So you, you can go up, you can go down, you can go left, you can go right in terms of swiping to see things. If you want to see more detail, you start tapping on the screen. So you might have a PL, I'm going to tap on the sales figure. Now I've got a breakdown of what those sales are made of. And those sales are then not just produced as a, a list, they're now produced as a pie chart. But then you can adapt that to, to, to present that information the way that you see fit. And, and the other thing that amazed me with one set of management accounts that I saw, and all these are electronic because, you know, you could do whatever you want in an electronic format. You're not restricted to what looks good on a piece of paper. Um, was that I, I, I came across a, a set of management accounts where I was just, I was swiping through and then suddenly they're starting talking about a, a, a new product and you've got a, a 3D image that's just spinning around on the page. And you can see what this new product looks like. And, and that's gone from, you know, what I would have seen when I worked in practice, if I was preparing those management accounts, it would be, we have a new product, it's due for launch in June. It's going to be good. There might be a picture of it, but you can see it in, you know, what not in actual 3D, but a, a kind of a 3D image of what it looks like rotating. You can even spin it around. So there's amazing stuff that you can do. But I think with the... You know, I, I know that a lot of us as accounts are still very restricted in the what would this look like on a piece of paper if we printed it out today? How often do you actually print out a set of management accounts? You know, some older people might do it because they like to have something to hold and touch and feel, but the rules just disappear if you embrace a digital way of presenting things. I completely agree with you there, Dave. And with another hat on that I haven't mentioned actually, I'm a, a trustee for a local charity and, and treasurer. And um, I'm fairly involved in the management accounts. I know quite a lot of you know, the detail behind the management accounts and they get sent out to all the trustees every month. It's monthly management account reporting. 
Um, but there's so much information in that Excel spreadsheet, both financial and, and a bit of non-financial information too. But it's actually too much to take in. You know, that's me. I'm quite involved in it. So I kind of know a lot about it. With people who look at it quite quickly, it's quite hard to pull out the key messages. So absolutely, as you say, Dave, there's a lot we can do there. And um, I would love to have that dashboard, as we call it, the front page. As, as, you know, I appreciate you can drill into the detail. And you don't have to go down or from page one to two. But just the key KPIs, you know, the key points, you know, what's happened to sales in the period? What's happened to costs? You know, is there a surplus? What's the cash position? Those kind of key messages there. And then, as you say, you can then start drilling into the detail, you know, if you want to. And as you say, that's a fantastic example of seeing in sales, there is a new product. And, and that's then thinking about moving forward into the future as well, rather than just looking backwards. Because I think that's the other big change for us as accountants, when we're not doing so much of the routine transactions and we're giving more advice and then we're interpreting, we can think more forwards about what's coming next. Where is the next income from coming from? How is it changing? What do we need to be ready for? Rather than just reporting on what has happened last month and we can make it faster as well make that process much quicker so it's more even almost real-time information or at least pretty quick after month end i can see a question in the chat box dave i'm going to come to you on this one because i know you are someone that's very interested in digital technology and how it can be used in the the learning environment so moving away from finance specifically but i don't know if you, you've got any thoughts on things you've seen recently where digital technology has changed the way courses are structured, courses are run? Uh, today, uh, I, <laughs> it's teaching FM. Um, the, the ICW exams are, are, can be sat using, um, using Excel. And the things like net present value calculations, I, I used to teach people how to do an MPV calculation. Why am I doing that when I can just type into Excel equals MPV select my discount rack factor, select the, the, the cash flows I care about, close bracket, and it, and it returns the answer. You know, there, there is absolutely no value any longer in, uh, in, in going through the mechanics of looking up discount factors in a table and writing them down and doing a long-winded calculation when you're allowed to use Excel in the exam. You'd, you'd use Excel in the real world. So why aren't we, you know, why, why aren't more people, people doing that? But it's, it is coming and we are seeing it change. You know, the, as I keep telling people, Excel's got a lovely function, which is equals IRR, open brackets. Okay, and that replaces the need for you to learn that horrid IRR formula that everyone gets wrong in the exam and no one can put into their calculator correctly because Excel does it for you. So we're already seeing it with some exams, particularly um, ICAW. We're seeing it a little bit in ACCA um, with, with some of the questions in ACCA. I, I really hope that the other institutes are all going to embrace that because I don't understand why we're teaching people to carry out tasks that they're never, ever going to need to do practically. It's far more important you understand what you've done with that calculation and what it actually means. So we're starting to see it um, within AAT. AAT were actually one of the very first to to make their their, their entire syllabus um, computer based in terms of how we sit the exams. And for for years now, you've been able to do their computerized accounting exam, which it, you can within certain restrictions, you can choose the accounting software that you use. And I know that that we teach that using a, a cloud-based accounting software. Um, so it, it's, it's something that, that is starting to creep in in terms of the way that things are assessed. Um, from us, from a learning perspective, it's always a challenge because we need to incorporate this technology into the way that we teach things. Um, we also need to be 
to, to recognize how people learn best because you might be learning a digital skill but that doesn't necessarily mean you learn it best in a digital medium uh, and we still need to accept that people have got various different learning styles that we need to meet and that might mean that you need to come to a classroom to sit and hear someone talk about how to use digital technology to understand how that digital technology might work for you. So there is that kind of crazy juxtaposition of, of what learning styles there are versus the, the, what we're actually teaching people. Just talking about the qualifications, as we're recording this, we haven't yet had the official launch of the new AAT Quals 22 syllabus that's coming later this year. But one of the things I'm really excited to see once we get the full syllabus and the material is at level three, any students who have done AAT level three know spreadsheets have been part of that syllabus and there's been a separate assessment that's going and actually being combined in one of the core units. The costing unit will have students doing real life calculations, showing their costing knowledge, but using a spreadsheet to do it. And that's akin to the the ICAW and the ACCA, where at the moment students have got access to spreadsheet software to do, as, as they've said, their MPV analysis. So it is coming. It's coming across all the qualifications. And I know it's certainly something they are looking at very, very seriously, making sure that their qualifications are suitable and sustainable for the progression in digital technology. Louisa, we've talked about all of the positive things. I think just for an element of balance, we should probably talk about some of the risks as well, because as much as we can hopefully convince students and listeners to the podcast, this is a great thing and try and encourage them to get involved. I think there is still an element of trepidation around it. What, what are some of the risks that, that you've foreseen? Yeah, um, that's a great question. Thank you, Ben. Um, I think some of the things we need to be mindful of um, when we're trying um, new software or we're using data, for example, we do need to consider things like ethics and the law. We've obviously got um, GDPR out there, isn't there, that we always need to consider what we're actually doing with the information, where we're sending it, for example. So that's definitely something we need to be very mindful of, that whole topic. Um, and I know there are other areas that we need to consider more and more these days, actually. I think cybersecurity is one of those areas that's really growing, um, where we need to be aware of, you know, viruses and, and the bugs, you know, have been around there, but there's all those kind of things to worry about. And then there's the new things that are kind of happening, like ransomware has been a big thing, these ransomware attacks where um, hackers get hold of a computer system and rather than having to actually steal the data, it's easier for them just to lock it or freeze it. It's easier for them to do that. And in return, they demand money, for example. Um, so it's being mindful of that. I know just very recently, um, KP Snacks had a ransomware attack. So um, there's going to be a shortage of hula hoops in the next month or so, apparently, because unfortunately it's impacted their um, supply chain. So they can't actually process orders right now and dispatch goods because their data has been locked. Um, and so, yeah, that's that's the bad news. Um, so, of course, there are you know things we can do. There's cybersecurity insurance and things like that. But you know, it's definitely we need to be mindful of these areas and these issues that are out there. So, yes, there are definitely risks we need to consider as well. And again, something that we are seeing being built into the, the training syllabuses. I'm going to talk about SEMA for this one. We haven't mentioned them on the podcast this evening, but I was in last week teaching a SEMA revision class for P3 at the strategic level risk. And a quarter of that syllabus is now dedicated to cyber security and cyber risk. So I was talking to people about ransomware attacks, about other ways that systems can be penetrated. We were talking about the, the practical measures organizations can put in place to manage those cybersecurity risks. And 
I think that's only the, 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 the tip of the iceberg. I think that's going to continue to be very important. Thinking about the nature of the data, particularly in finance that we hold, it's quite sensitive. It's quite often personal data covered by legislation. And also the fact it can involve financial fraud and financial crime means that it's, a, again, a potential perfect storm for cyber attacks to be more financially focused in their, their operations. So chances are the people listening to this podcast and students in our classes are the ones that might receive that spam email that they open up and before you know it, they've clicked on a link and actually let somebody into their systems. So a very important area, something we have actually covered. If you're interested in that, go back and look at the library of the podcast, because last year we did record a cybersecurity special and you can go back and, and still download and listen to it. So we've talked about the benefits, the journey. We've talked about the risks. I suppose the final thing we should end with is what are the, the next stages and the next steps? This is our recording on Cyber Week, Digital Week for First Intuition. So I don't know if you want to tell us a little bit more about the stuff we've had going on and what the plans are going forward, Louisa. Yeah, thank you very much, Ben. Yeah, so um, here at um, FI, First Intuitions, so we've got Di Digital Technology Week this week. Um, so there's lots going on this week. We've got um, actually an employer, um, a couple of forums happening. I can put the link in the chat shortly, actually, for the, the website where you can go and find out more information. So there's a big forum happening tomorrow morning at 8.30 with lots of um, guest speakers talking about some of these topics we've just been discussing. Um, <clears throat> so that's one thing that's happening. Um, we were also um, starting to run some digital programming, some digital courses, looking at raising awareness of digital finance, some of these topics that we've touched on tonight, you know, drilling down into more detail on them, and then looking at some specific areas like data analysis, that stuff we're doing already, but developing our skills so we can do more and do more of that interpreting and, and thinking about what's next for clients and, and um, our companies, rather than just focusing on, on the transactions. So yeah, we've got we've got that all of that happening um, in um, FI. So it's all kind of taking off this whole area. Um, but there are other places, other information out there as well. I mean, the accounting bodies, like we've already mentioned, you know, it is coming into the accounting qualifications, isn't it, in various different ways. And also, the accounting bodies do lots of webinars um, and virtual courses. So there is a ton of information there as well that we can look at. And another place to get information too, actually increasingly, is amazing what's on social media these days. You know, there's um, LinkedIn, YouTube, and also TikTok, which I have to say I'm not on, but I do know of people who are doing amazing Excel tips, Excel tips while dancing away in their little slot on TikTok. So um, it's amazing what's happening. There's lots of different ways we can get information. So lots of opportunities for us to sort of, like we talked about that growth mindset, to, to learn little bits so we can make that journey to have you know to continually improve and, and pick up and kind of ride this wave like we talked about so we can embrace these new technologies i always look forward to your linkedin update post louisa where you found some insightful modern use of technology and i'll encourage anyone to go and link up with louisa on linkedin i can put your your linkedin profile details in the show notes louisa and i'm sure you'd like to have people following you where you can hopefully share them up-to-date information about stuff that we've got going on at FI, but also wider than that, as you've alluded to. Absolutely. Yes, that would be great. Thank you, Ben. Fantastic. Well, Dave, I'm going to leave you to do a final maybe conclusion on, on your take on, on digital things we've talked about tonight. Is there any one thing that stood out for you that you'd like to do as a takeaway for listeners? 
I, I just think the the idea of of making those little changes and and it is it is the little changes that 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 do add up to massive massive gains over periods of time. Um, I, I would I would point a lot of my my, my management accounting students in in the direction of of kind of listening to that idea of those marginal gains because it, it is something that as as Louisa pointed out was was used to great effect with the British cycling team but it, it was also used um, as I'm sure you'll be aware Ben in the 1950s and 1960s with Japanese industry and the the concept of kaizen and uh, and continuous improvement and it's something that I always talk about uh, as students we should strive for every time we practice questions can I be one percent better next time. I attempt a similar question and it's by making those little gains that we get from you know a 20 percent mark the first time we attempt an exam question to getting over that pass mark it's by little one percent changes and I think that if we can use that principle with our exams if we can use that principles that those principles at work so how, how can I do this one percent better next time you know it's very difficult to do something you know 20 times faster overnight but it's very easy to shave one percent of a time saving off and if we do that often enough, we make massive, massive changes. So if that 1% is by you know, a, a, a changing the way that we use Outlook, um, and I know that some of our customer service teams have got some brilliant little Outlook hacks to enable them to really quickly put together the information that students need really, really fast, which I wish I knew how they did it. Um, but that saves that little bit of time and just those changes, whether it's an Excel shortcut, whether it is using that app that you've been scared of, you know, whether it is using the auto reconcile functions within your accounting package that maybe you'd shied away off before, all those things, little changes went massive changes to your work they make massive changes to your career because by by enabling us to do things more quickly and more efficiently it gives us time to do things that are really fun you know whether that is as louisa talked about earlier chasing those drug gangs down with a spreadsheet or, or or as you found out tracing the the old man in a car park that might have been thieving 50p from the meter okay those kind of things that we really enjoy doing but uh, i've really enjoyed this evening and yeah, I think just to, to kind of uh, just to finish up, so I'd like to thank Louisa for coming along. It's been an absolute pleasure having you here. Um, I, I really hope that you'll come back for your your next appearance when you officially become a friend of the show. Um, thanks again, Ben, for, for um, thanks for being here, Ben. Today. It's been great to be back in a room, both of us here. Um, it's been a little while and, and hopefully we're now on a, a stretch up until Easter where we'll be here every Wednesday. But but most of all, thanks to, to everyone that is here live. Thanks to everyone that's chosen to download this. Um, if you are listening to this as, as the podcast, um, could I please ask that if you get a moment, just to please leave us a review. Even if that's just a star rating, that would be absolutely amazing. If you could leave a comment, that would be phenomenal. And if you know someone that you think would absolutely love this, please, please, please share this podcast with as many people as you can. But until next week, um, stay safe and we'll see you then. Thank you, everybody.